on the Talkback Show, on the radio, or whatever audiovisual device you choose to use. Welcome to the GBC Podcast, where we talk about the Packers and our hometown of Green Bay. This is episode 62, created on November 28th, 2023. I'm John. I'm in Appleton, Wisconsin, along with me, Jeff in Minnesota, and Neil on the East Coast. Say hello, gentlemen, and tell us what you're drinking. Hello, gentlemen. In the spirit of the season, tonight I'm drinking from Loose Line Brewery, Black Friday Imperial Stout. And in the spirit of the Packers, I am having a 10 Benz beer, Green Fountains, Vermont style IPA. And in the spirit of nothing more than I bought the right ingredients, I made a Mai Tai. You can find us on YouTube and Twitter at Green Bay Chat and Facebook at the GBC Podcast, Green Bay Chat. And just the audio is available on Spotify by searching for Green Bay Chat. Pretty quick slate of topics this week. We've got a Week 10 win over the Chargers, a Week 11 win over the Lions, and a look ahead to Week 12 and a primetime game with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, you guys, the last time that we talked, this team had just lost in Pittsburgh to drop to 3-6 and six on the season. It was a tough loss coming off the home win against the Rams. The game in Pittsburgh was another game, just like at Las Vegas and at Denver, that the Packers were never really out of the game. They had chances to win. This was a team that was ailing. They needed some way to cure this season and get it headed in the right direction. In the last two games, that's exactly what happened. A home win against the L.A. Chargers and then a statement game on the road, in a short week, on Thanksgiving Day, in front of a national television crowd, against the division-leading Detroit Lions, with multitudes of players appearing on the final injury report. Not only was it back-to-back -back wins that brought the team to a 5-6 and six record, but it was easily Jordan Love's two best games of his career. Neil, give me those two game statistics because they're beautiful. Jordan Love over those two games, 49 of 72, 590 yards, 8.2 yards per attempt, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. A beautiful pair zero. of games. And even outside of those two games, it's a beautiful four-game stretch if you go back to that Rams game. And again, as I mentioned with Pittsburgh, Neil, you were at the game. We talked about it last time. Never really out of the game and not a terrible game for Jordan Love and the Packers either. This team has put something together over the last four-game stretch, and it is what they need. Teams that peak early, they're on the wayside right now. I would rather peak late, and that is exactly what this young team is doing. Jeff, the growing pains, let's hope that we've gotten past them, right? I certainly hope so. For Jordan Love to finally get a 300-yard game for the first time in, well, yes. over a year, right? For, for, mean, first, first time for any Packers quarterback since December of 2021 against the Ravens, another game that I was at. But that seems like a long time ago. Long time. Yes, got off the schneid there, got the monkey off his back, whatever you want to call it. He gets his 300-yard game, but I'm talking, and my encouragement here, Packers seem to be trending up. They've had their issues. They continue to have some issues, but the Bears and the Vikings, okay, those are two teams that don't appear to be trending up exactly, and I'll just kind of leave it at that. That's Amazingly, high. all three of us watched that game last night and survived it even. Purposefully, we watched that. We weren't forced to watch the game last night. But it was sort of like a train wreck, right? You just kind of, yeah. like, how is this going to end with the Bears winning for the first time in 30 years without scoring any touchdowns? Anyway, those two teams, not so much trending up. Packers, really learning. This is a good time of year. And Matt LaFleur, in December, he's, well, he hasn't lost. And this right. he has zero, zero losses, right? 
F- yeah. 15 and 0 for Matt LaFleur in December so far. I don't think that streak is going to last this year, but nonetheless, <laughs> his teams tend to do better at the end of the year. Yes, definitely encouraging. And I just want to take a moment and try not to sprain something, but I do want to mention that I did correctly pick the Detroit game. Oh, Packers over Detroit on prime time. Dave. This is exactly what I was hoping they would do. No, you want to tell us how your fantasy West. team did too, Jeff? <laughs> but to, to be fair, Jeff in the preview said, this is where a young team is going to respond. This yeah. is where they're going to have that resiliency that a more experienced team will say euphemistically is not going to be able to have that quick spring back. And Jeff, you are correct. And yes, you're, you're, you may have a sprained uh, rotator cuff from patting <laughs> back too much, but nonetheless, you did call that game entirely correctly at the beginning of the year. Even a blind squirrel gets a nut every once in a while, but no, I'll, uh, and that, that's what I was hoping for. And hopefully that will continue after Kansas City. We don't want to call it a cakewalk, but boy, it sure looks pretty nice. We'll talk about that next week, but let's go back to week 10, because when we talk about games on paper and how we predicted them, we had expectations of this Chargers team being much better. And I think a lot of people did. And they have really been flat this season. They were flat against Green Bay. They were flat again last week. But that win at home, gold package game, Packers over Chargers, that really was a nice day in Green Bay. And Neil, what were the numbers on that game? Let's just start out with Jordan Love, 27 of 40, 322 yards, 8.1 yards per temp. Two touchdowns, zero interceptions. He was sacked three times, twice by Khalil Mack, and it was not a dominating performance by the Packers by any stretch of the imagination, but there were a lot of really good performances in that game, starting with Jaden Reed with a touchdown run on a trick play that uh, Jeff had disparaged last week's podcast, and (laughs) also getting closer and closer to that 100-yard receiving game. Dontavian Wicks, three receptions for 91 yards, Dobbs over 50 yards, five receptions, 53 yards for a touchdown. Reed, 46 yards. Continuing on this theme of spreading the ball around and getting the ball to all of our young receivers. And the receivers overall, we had 10 different receivers who caught a ball in that game. That distribution was central to our success. And also on defense, we have to call out Jonathan Owens with eight eight tackles. Devondre Campbell with seven tackles, Nixon and Quay with seven. And overall, it was a game where we did enough to win. And most importantly, Jordan Love had a fourth quarter comeback victory. That fourth quarter comeback drive was central to the game. And you could take a look at it from the other side that the Chargers chargers. So I like Scott Coxmar as a writer. He likes to use the phrase chargering for what the Chargers do, where they play, put up really good offense, and then, well, don't exactly do the same thing on defense. And the Clippers are going to Clipper, and the Clippers very much Clippered in that game. I think the most important element of that game is we got lucky. We obviously played well, but if we don't get lucky with all of the drops that the Clippers had in that game, we don't win that game. Justin Herbert had a very good game. He threw for 260 yards two touchdowns, no interceptions. He ran eight times for 73 yards. And I think that was the most disconcerting thing from the defense's perspective in that game is how many times, and it was at least four times by my account, that Justin Herbert ran for a first down when it looked like we had him cornered. But nonetheless, we overcame all of those elements. We got lucky as far as the drops are concerned. We got unlucky in a lot of games earlier this year. As we said last week, our point differential going into this game was only minus three, which is not what you expect for a 
three and six team. We overcame that finally. We got the luck and the breaks going in our favor this game. We did the things we need to do. It wasn't just purely that we had luck. The Packers on offense and on defense did the things that they needed to do. We won the game taking advantage of those breaks. Was it the, maybe a little Lambo mystique or something? I mean, the weather was perfect. So yeah. the weather didn't factor in at all. But, you know, the sun was a little funky. I, I don't know. To, to see Keenan Allen, like, literally get hit in the chest with the pass and drop on the goal line, stuff like that, I don't know what was afoot. I'll take it. You know, like you said, luck did play a big factor. here. So, Jeff, I think Lambo Mystique is something that comes to play. But I think there is still an element of a team that plays – and lives their entire life in 80 degree weather. And yes, it was low forties, which we wouldn't consider bad weather, but I'm, I think that I would like to play Los Angeles teams in Lambeau field every November and December for the rest of all eternity, because there's clearly something mentally that gets into them that causes them to not play at the level that they're capable of. I will more than take that. And I think that the drops in part were more a matter of mind over matter and mind over matter in a negative sense, where the fact that it wasn't perfect weather for somebody from sunny Southern California that got to the plays not being perfect for them. The other thing of note was that some of the players, the offensive players, especially were slipping. Now this is interesting because again, it was a dry day it was you know it wasn't raining or anything like that the austin eckler almost butt fumble deep in packers territory there where he like literally just you know ended up on his back got up and you know ended up fumbling the ball that was a huge turning point in the game great awareness and you know great for the defense to watch a normally fleet-footed sure-handed running back fall on his ass you know without being t- but again we'll take it you know i don't know what what it was but you know what it was a victory and globally the numbers were very even between the two teams so the packers had an advantage in first down 23 to 17 overall yards was 397 to 394 both teams essentially the identical number of yards time of possession all the statistics were basically the same for the two teams the one thing that really we had going for us in this game was jordan love is starting to play at a different level And of our 23 first downs, 16 of those first downs were by the passing game. And combine that with the fourth quarter comeback and all of the plays that Jordan Love made throughout the game, this was a game where Jordan Love started to show where his potential is. One perhaps disconcerting thing is this was a string, though, of games in which there were either missed field goals or missed extra points. Jeff, I knew the ass hats were going to come up for you. (laughs) I just, serious. this is sort of the negative to this. Now, we're overcoming the, there's a couple times earlier in the year where we weren't able to overcome the ass hat, missed field goals, things like that. But again, in this game, there was a missed field goal. Special teams is still pretty far down. Just going to the first play of the game. We return the ball out to whatever, into the 40-yard line area, and Levitt has two penalties on that place. So we end up starting at the eight yard line, right? Starting your first drive on the eight yard line is not a good situation. That was entirely on the ass hats. But on the other hand, as you said, Jeff, they overcame those errors. I would say the other concerning issue for me was a question of time management. And specifically on the last drive of the first half, we had a 16 play 71 yard drive started with 550 left in the first half. 
And we ended up being rushed in order to get the field goal in order to make it a tie game at halftime. And there was no need with 550 left for this to be a rushed drive at the end of the half. But this is Matt LaFleur, I think, learning the team. And I think that's one of the things that to me is most encouraging of the last two games. It is clear that Matt LaFleur is starting to understand what the strengths and weaknesses of this team are and therefore how to get this team to perform at its best. I've been much more impressed by the play calling the last few games as far as we're going to figure out what our best players can do and we're going to have them do it rather than while we don't know what our best players are going to do, we don't know how to make this team succeed. We're starting to figure out from a coaching perspective, in addition to those players getting better. That's an excellent point, Neil. Totally agree with you. And looking to the future, that's fantastic. When you talk about the play calling and we've addressed it, the the, the trick plays, if you will, <laughs> but the execution on the Jaden Reed touchdown, the, the fake handoff, and this was a play, I was in the crowd, the play was coming at me. And as, as soon as I saw Love pull the ball away from Dylan, I knew what was going on. And it was amazing that Reed just took that ball and ran out around to his right and it worked. And it's one of those things where now do you say we've done it enough times in game speed, we've done it enough times in practice where we have gotten better to it. The growing pains have passed and now we know where the strengths are and we know when we can run this play and when it's going to work. And it showed in that game. Yeah, they can. They can get to that. They have gotten to that point. I think they can figure it out what does work in the play call. Well, and that's, I think, also one uh, group that we haven't mentioned that I think has really improved their play is the offensive line. Tucker Crafts and, and Luke Musgrave blocking. I mean, I think it was Luke Musgrave on the edge that allowed Jaden Reed for that that long score. You know, it was just once he got up and turned the corner, there was nobody there. When that corner is not blocked, it's going to go for at least, you know, no gain or, or perhaps even a loss. So it's really, really important to get that corner blocked. And when it is, it's a touchdown. Uh, unfortunately, our woes with running the ball with running backs is, are still continuing. So our running backs in that game were only 21 rushes for 55 yards. And I think we've still got to figure out the running on non-trick plays or non-plays uh, that go to somebody other than a wide receiver, for example. Now, there were other encouraging elements in the game. And I think looking at beyond our fourth quarter comeback drive to take the lead, Rashawn Gary with a 10-yard sack that squelched the second-to-last drive of the Clippers was certainly a central component. And obviously, Gary had a huge game against the Lions as well. But the other thing, though, that looked very familiar to me as a Packers fan from the 90s, though, is Matt LaFleur seems to have very much taken the Mike Holmgren approach to playing in the second half of the lead and that we're going to just try to hold on for dear life. We're going to be extremely conservative. And it worked against the Clippers. It worked against the Lions. I uh, was never comfortable with that in the 90s. I think we could have a little bit more killer instinct, but nonetheless, it worked. We won two games. John, when we had the preview for the in the last week's episode said it might be two tough weeks for Packers fans and indeed we could have been three and eight at this point instead we are five and six and we're five and six because that team played well on offense on defense and even on special teams and the numbers Neil overall were great on that game but really take a look at how this team played down the stretch as well Remember, Chargers score a touchdown with 536 remaining in the game. They go ahead 20 to 16 and just unfazed and unfettered. The Packers go down the field 75 yards in six plays and score a touchdown to go ahead 23-20 on a beautiful, just dime dropped into Romeo Dobbs. 
in the backside of the end zone. Again, that's coming towards me at the north end zone. It was beautiful from my perspective. And just a play that the confidence was there all the way through that drive to get the score. After that, the defense does its part, not once, but twice to keep the Chargers from doing really anything. Three plays minus 10 yards the first time around and six plays 15 yards before the the series just dies out on them. And the Packers get a huge victory in this game, 23 to 20. Yeah, the only downside of that game really was the injury report. And obviously losing Aaron Jones, which originally looked like a brutal injury, thankfully is only an MCL injury that he didn't even go onto the IR. But losing Jones, immediately losing Emmanuel Wilson, losing Luke Musgrave, as we didn't find out until Monday, to a kidney laceration. He might be out the rest of the year. That's that's tough, although thankfully Tucker Craft stepped up in the following game and also losing Devondre Campbell in that game. So on, especially on a short week, and I think that's the one thing that we can say positively, it was a short week and they were certainly not going to rush anyone back on a short week. It looks like most of those other than Jones are actually going to be back soon. Yeah, short week with 16 names on that injury report. That list looked so long when that's it came out. Said. Yeah, okay. You guys are a little slow on that one. I tried to set it up for you. Give me a good, that's what she said. The other loss, though, after that game is Dallin Levitt got the boot as well. Coach LaFleur insists that it had nothing to do with those penalties on the opening drive. But, you know, believe what you want to believe. He is no longer with the team. They made some moves to bring some guys up due to the injuries. They've moved around since then. Levitt has not come back. Infer from that what you will. With that, let's take a look at Thanksgiving Day in Detroit. Packers 29, Detroit 22. The first quarter was the perhaps finest Packer quarter of, I would say, this year. And oh, by the way, it was the first quarter. The Packers get the ball, five plays, 75 yards, touchdown. And they they won the toss. So they take the ball, they go down the field. They won the toss and chose to get the ball first, which is unusual for a Matt LaFleur team. Yeah, they just decided, no, we're not going to allow ourselves to fall behind. And I think that really that mindset that we are going to take control of this game was overall the theme that led us to the victory. And the first play of the game. Christian Watson caught the damn ball. There apparently was some that that Matt LaFleur maybe had second thoughts. He didn't want to run this play. And Jordan Love, and he said, nope, we're going to run this play. And guess what? It was amazing. So I was sitting there like, holy shit. I was just blown away. But most importantly, they finished the drive. They didn't. It was just a big play. And then, you know, they go a couple more and a couple short passes. No. Touchdown. Five plays, 75 yards two minutes and 44 seconds. And I think everybody in Detroit's like, holy shit, what just happened? And just continuing, it was the first play, 53 yards to Watson. The second play was also to Christian Watson. It was basically a, we're tired of hearing this bullshit about Christian Watson underperforming in his sophomore year. We're going to show just what his abilities are. And they certainly showcase Christian Watson's abilities in that game. Finish that drive with a beautiful 10-yard touchdown pass to Jaden Reed. So we're ahead, and, you know, maybe some people haven't even started watching it yet. So Detroit gets the ball. <laughs> oh, it becomes a track meet. <laughs> for whatever reason, the Packer defense says, you know. You what know, do you mean we- for whatever reason? The Packers defense played to, to their normal theme, right? Well, at least in the, yeah. it's But, you know, fortunately, it wasn't like this the whole game. Couple drives were like this: seven plays, seventy-three yards, three minutes and forty-six seconds. Lions go right down the field, score the touchdown. 
But, so now it's like, but the Lions had ass hats, and so we did. actually still so had a lead. I posted the score. I'm like, all right, it's seven seven. Wait, correction, seven six. Yep, you're right. So the Lions had assets. So what happens now? So you think, okay, the Packers start off fast. Can they continue? Well, the answer is yes. A 10-play, 75-yard drive immediately afterwards that ends with a beautiful Tucker Craft touchdown pass. Also included very important passes on third down to Christian Watson and a run for Jaden Reed, much to Jeff's chagrins. It's clear that our team had an aggressive mindset going into this game. It's like, okay, they have usurped us as the team to beat in the North, and we're going to punch them in the jaw and see how they respond. We're going to be the aggressors, and that aggressive strategy worked. It was a very good first two drives for the Packers. Detroit gets the ball back, and it got even better for the Packers then. After these two touchdowns are scored, and there's then suddenly there's a defensive touchdown. Shades of San Francisco, 1995, the San Francisco Packer playoff game kind of a changing of the guard. Now, obviously this is not that because the changing of the guard is the opposite. This was pretty shocking based on the, the spread and what the expectations were going into this game. So the defense makes a huge play here. So Rashawn Gary, Strip Sack, and Jonathan Owens, yes, Mr. Simone Biles himself, picks up the ball, runs it back for the scoop and score. Definitely a play where, you know, at the moment, certainly the offensive players didn't know, is this a fumble or is yeah. it an incomplete pass? But the rule of play to the whistle came into play here. Owens had just the wherewithal to say, my ball, and ran with it. And he really just had an easy run because everyone else was like, well, isn't that a pass? And upon further review, it is a Packer touchdown. Not to bring up the Steeler game, you know, when they did blow the whistle, the, the backward-looking pass, this one played out. There is no whistle, clear recovery. He runs into the end zone, touchdown. And we are up 21 to six at that point, and things well, are looking really good. Yeah, well, again, ass well, <laughs> You know, anything you can do, I can do better, right? So if you're going to miss a field, miss an extra point, so will I. But 20 to six is still a comfortable lead for this team, especially in the first half. This is by far and away the best first half they've had in this season. And we're still in the first quarter, and there's a lot more to go yes. in the first quarter still. So Detroit gets the ball back, and what happens again? Another strip sack fumble. At, at this point, K K you know, KG KGB with both forced fumble and the recovery in that case. And when, when we've got Gary and, and Brooks both making their contributions, that's certainly a yeah. fabulous start to the game. Well, and this was really the key, right? So Goff does not get comfortable back there. I mean, the, the first series, yeah, they just drove right down the field. So I don't know. It's like somebody flipped a switch on that defensive line and said, okay, we're done with this shit and we're just going to get to Goff. And man, they, they turn the tables. If I'm Goff too, I, I hear footsteps and I'm not going to play as well because these were, he was taking big hits and strip sacks and, Defense is playing fantastically at this point. And we ended the first quarter with a six-yard pass to Tucker Craft that leaves us with a fourth and one to start the second quarter. But I just want to go through the first quarter statistics. We had eight first downs to four for Detroit. We had 159 yards in that first quarter. This sounds like third quarter numbers to only 67 for Detroit. Jordan Love, nine of 10 for 130 yards. Two touchdowns, no interceptions, a perfect 
158.3 quarterback rating in that first quarter. We also had 926 possession to only a little over five minutes for Detroit. You could not have asked for a better first quarter for those Packers. Unfortunately, those 15 minutes ended and then it was hanging on for dear life the rest of the game, starting with immediately that first play of the second quarter where we went for it on fourth and one and did not convert. Unless your team is the Philadelphia Eagles and you've got the brotherly shove or the tush push or whatever, these fourth and ones have been really problematic for the Packers. They just, they haven't been able to figure out either a blocking scheme or something to, to really, to almost, I don't say guarantee, but certainly I was on pins and needles, like what is going to happen here? And sure enough. Yeah. I mean, I think this goes back to some things that we talked about though, in previous episodes that the Packers are, I don't think are scheming well for these short conversion plays either. The Packers actually only went two tight ends on 25% of the plays in this game. And there, from my accounting was no play in which the Packers put six linemen on the field. Whereas the lions had at least six different plays where they had six offensive linemen on the field. And you've got to plan differently for these fourth and short. And I just don't think that we're doing the best things we can for success. The first quarter we ended up winning that quarter 20 to six, as far as the points are concerned. And we were deep into Detroit territory at the end of the first quarter. And, you know, that was certainly our heyday as far as the game was concerned. The second quarter was very much a back and forth affair, a number of drives. Both teams had a number of eight to nine play drives. In the end, we had a field goal drive in the second quarter. And that was really all that was accomplished in the second quarter for both teams. Overall, the second quarter, only five first downs for Green Bay to four for Detroit, 88 to 79 yards. So essentially, even as far as the second quarter, love six of 10 for 59 yards. One thing I will note for the Packers in the first half is that all six of our first half drives got into Detroit territory. But unfortunately, three of those drives that got into Detroit territory in the first half resulted in zero points. And I think that is one of my themes as far as the game is concerned is the missed opportunities. Yes, we won. Yes, we won by seven. We were in a position that we could have won by a lot more. You start with the missed extra point, the missed fourth and one. We got to the Detroit 46 in the second quarter and punted on a fourth and six. And then the missed field goal to end the second quarter to end the half, right? Right. And although the missed field goal at least was a 63 yard missed field goal. So I don't feel quite as bad as that. I mean, I actually am kind of impressed that we were able to move the ball as well as we did with the five seconds that we had. The fact that we were able to hold Detroit to not scoring at the end of the first half was certainly a victory as far as I'm concerned. And, And absolutely being had by 17 points at halftime was a good thing, even though we were starting to show a little bit of cracks, a little bit loss of our bravado that we had in the first quarter, we still had a 17-point lead, and the hope was we were going to be able to hold that lead against a offense that certainly had the ability to really turn it on. And in the end, they actually turned it on, but thankfully a little bit too late. It's a shitty feeling where you're sitting there watching this team and you're saying, the other shoe is going to drop, and this isn't going to last. And, and I hate that feeling, but it was there. And I have to say I'm thankful that this team did what it had to do to go through. The all gas, no breaks philosophy seems to be working out. You go back to that Rams game when they put the extra touchdown on the end of the game to say, yep, we're going to stay in this game. We're not going to let anyone come up and sneak up behind us. And I like that that is happening now. I like seeing that from this team because I think over the last 30 years, we've seen that kind of conservative play calling and all right, we've got a lead. Let's just hold on to it. And it's bitten him in the ass too many times. So it was nice to see, yes, the, the second half still stayed in our favor and they played strong. 
Although it was not all gas, no break in the second half either. And I think that we did get overly conservative in the second half. Globally, as far as the second half is concerned, we only had four first downs in the second entire second half. And specifically, uh, Detroit beat us 17 first downs to four in the second half. Detroit outgained us 318 yards to 110 yards in that second half. That was a true holding on for dear life in the second half. And thankfully it worked out. And I think one of the things that most amazing as far as our holding out is it's not like the, we played entirely shitty in the second half. In fact, over the entire game, all 11 Green Bay drives in that game ended up in Detroit territory. Every wow. single drive of that game, including the victory formation, we were in Detroit territory at some point. And yet from those 11 drives into Detroit territory, we had the three touchdowns. We had a missed fourth down conversion, one field goal, one missed field goal, four punts, and then one victory formation. Now, thankfully, of those four punts, all four punts were inside of the 20-yard line. Three of those four punts were inside of Detroit's 10-yard line, one all the way down to the three. And I think that globally, I do not like being conservative when it's a fourth down and you're in the opponent's 40-ish yard line. But it ended up working out. And I, you know, this was, I think, definitely a case of it was not all gas, no breaks. There was definitely a lot of breaks going on. And thankfully, the conservative approach actually worked out because you could see a slightly different situation in which that did not work. On the, the flip side of that coin, obviously, is Detroit with their foot slammed to the floor going for it and not making these fourth downs. Is it Detroit, were they being, you know, overly aggressive? Or, or I would argue, the Packer defense rising to the occasion. So Detroit starts the third quarter, again, drives the ball right down the field, right? So again, for the defense, it's like, oh shit, here's this sinking feeling, like that was way too easy. Seven plays, 72 yards, a little over three minutes suddenly it's you know it's back to nine points packers get the ball back and they take a lot of time off the clock but don't really move the ball that far the next drive was the key and i think the most important play of that drive that's when detroit got the ball they got it to fourth and four at their own 23 yard line and decided to try the fake punt on that fourth and four and the fact that the packers asshats slash defense sniffed that out and made the plays. That was the single most important play in the game because Detroit clearly had the guns in order to do what they needed to do to win the game. And the Packers defense slash special teams stepped up and made the play. They did because they were prepared. They were sort of expecting something like this because Detroit has done, tried fake punts multiple times this year. And so they they were fortunately prepared. And uh, Lucas Van Ness, Man, he sniffed that out. The direct snap, nobody fell for it. And that was a huge turning point in the game. So suddenly the Packers get the ball back on Detroit's 23-yard line. And so this is where I think rather than, okay, let's just run the ball a couple times and try and settle for a field goal, this is where they got a little more aggressive with the play calling, thankfully. Well, they got aggressive, but I think they may have had the aggressiveness force on them, right? So the first play was a three-yard run to Dylan, and then a holding penalty on Elton Jenkins gave us the second and 17, and they're just like, well, okay, well, I guess we've got a pass, and two plays later, 14 yards to Dobbs, and then a touchdown pass to Christian Watson, a gorgeous pass, gorgeous play. It was somebody something that Christian Watson certainly needed. 
That gave us the 29-14 lead that should have been a 30-14 lead. But uh, Jeff, what's your thought on the two-point conversion play there? <laughs> Good Lord. There's still, I guess, learning? I don't know. Or play calling or, or something in between. There's just some of these plays just don't work. And that was another one. Now, unfortunately, you know, it, it obviously cost us two points and we should never have been in that situation of having to go for two points, but we did, we didn't make it. Fortunately, it didn't affect the outcome of the game. It certainly could have, but it didn't. And okay, we'll learn from that hopefully and move on. A 15 point lead there is nice. And I, I would have been fine with a 16-point lead. I understand going for two, trying to make it a three-possession game, going, you know, making it a 17-point lead. Mm -hmm. I'm of the opinion that you don't go for two until you absolutely need to. And when you're up 15, just put the point on the board and and take your well, six-point lead. Yeah. <laughs> well, right, maybe, but we, the one point Probably, is more likely yeah. than the two. Yeah. The more important point is at this point, it's 3:30 left in the third quarter. 18 minutes left in the game, and we've got a two-score lead that requires him not only to score twice, but to make a two-point conversion. And then Detroit gets the ball back, and our defense once again steps up. Yeah, they move the ball 11 plays, but in the end, on a fourth and seven, Rashawn Gary makes the strip sack fumble, third fumble of golf for the game, all of them forced by the Packers' defense. That was a critical moment as far as the game is concerned. And it was Gary just having a huge game back at Ford Field where a year prior, you know, he he was injured. And, and so, you know, we, you probably saw the afterwards, the special game ball that he was given. But, I mean, he just really had an impact on this game. And, frankly, well, that's, that's what he got paid for, right, earlier this year when his contract got re-upped. But he really showed up for this game, was really a, a force, a disruptive force, two strip sack with fumbles. I, it was just, I mean, fantastic. And obviously one of them, as we said, uh, returned for a touchdown. But he really was in a lot. And what I thought was fascinating, there was no holding calls called on the, on the Detroit offensive line. And it just, it seemed like, there was constant pressure and Goff was, was constantly moving around back there, which is exactly what we want to see. Next drive, the Packers have a short drive. They end up punting, but once again, punted inside the Detroit 10-yard line. Detroit gets the ball back and they have a huge drive, 10 plays, 79 yards. But once again, the defense eventually steps up with a stop on fourth and seven and forcing an incompletion. And this is a case where, yes, Detroit would not have necessarily gone for it on fourth down had they not been down by two scores. And obviously the defense made the play when they need to. This is a very much bend but don't break. I would argue that they damn near broke, but thankfully <laughs> they made the plays they needed to in the end. And I would have liked to have seen the, the Packers here score, you know, go up, uh, have a nice sustained drive. And it was – a decent drive. I mean, like you said, they got into Detroit territory, but ultimately, you know, take four minutes off the clock, but ultimately punt the ball again. Yeah. And then we got the ball back after that drive and it was very much a conservative drive with a whole bunch of plays by Dylan, other than a really critical run, 37 yard run by Jordan Love. And that was arguably the most important play for the Packers in the second half was actually that 37 yard run by Love 
that actually got us out of deep territory that gave us a few more minutes of clock that were taken off and finally ended up reducing the clock time available for Detroit. Well, that was one though, where I was, I'm curious if he really would have turned on the jets. I mean, if he could have scored or at least gotten another 15, 20 yards. Now he, once he got far enough down or he, he sort of felt some tackler behind him or some, you know, closing in, he did slide great you know almost a, a really veteran move there but i kind of would have liked to have seen him try and get another 10 or 15 yards or maybe break it for a touchdown there i was just like come on come on go 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 i know you couldn't hear it but it, it looked like he was just laughing did not did it not look like he was like a kid laughing running down he ran was running away with something and when he saw everyone coming up like he just slid and got up and said let's play you're right that was huge because if they if he doesn't get that really flipped the field position again right huge you know it could have could have turned out differently but that that was a huge play so again not a run first quarterback certainly but man if he needs to he can do it they got down to the detroit 42 punting it again inside the detroit 10 detroit now had 253 left on the clock down 15 points i'm actually surprised by detroit's strategy at that point they took a they took 12 plays to get those 91 yards to get their touchdown and yes they did score a touchdown but i'm shocked that there was not greater urgency from detroit's side as far as scoring a lot faster than they did neil just think about what you said greater urgency on the part of detroit <laughs> so these are after all the lions you know, I mean, they've, they've had some winning success, but recently, right. recently, recently. Thank you. Yes. That's a huge caveat, but you know what? I, they're still, you know, kind of learning. And I, I think, you know, Green Bay and, and certainly like you said, Matt LaFleur called a great game. It showed that they, unlike some previous games where the Packers lost or barely won or something like that, they really came out and imposed on this. They looked like they wanted to be the winners of this game. And they played like it. And you could see it. And it was just, that's the part that we have not seen every game this year. And But that's where we're starting to see this, even in the Clipper game, right? You started to see some of that. Even the Pittsburgh game, going back, you know, three, four, five weeks now. This has sort of been building and that they've been sort of figuring this out, coaching, camaraderie, team playing, whatever you want to call it, it's starting to come together and you can actually see it versus some other teams that are still learning or falling apart at this point. Yeah, I just, yeah, I mean, it's learning. I think that's the most important thing because in that fourth quarter, Love was two of six for 18 yards. Dylan was three rushes for eight yards. That 37 yard run by Jordan Love was actually 60% of our offense <laughs> in that fourth quarter. So, okay. but we had enough of a lead. I think that's the most yeah. important thing. We had right. enough of a lead that that worked out and they've learned from this. And I think as much as anything, they've built up a little bit of bravado. They've built up not yes. just confidence, but they've built up a sense that we are, going to have the chance to take to take advantage of opportunities we are going to and i really the fact that this game was the opposite of the first game against detroit mm -hmm. where the first game against detroit they punch they, us in the mouth yeah. early and often and then just cruise the rest of the game that's essentially what we did 
in this game. And I think that there is an element of pride that was there too, that they did not like the fact that Detroit had usurped us within the division. And they're saying that we are going to try to take control. We may not be the alpha dog in the division yet, but you're not going to have it uncontested. I totally agree with you, Neil. And it's great to see that they actually did something about it. They backed it up. I think that that's a huge amount of progress. I I think that's something to really, really grow on. Yeah, I mean, there's development. And just looking at it from the receiver's perspective, as far as our Wookiee wide receivers and Wookiee tight ends, 10 receptions, 95 yards, two touchdowns in that Detroit game. They're figuring things out. And our second-year receivers are also advancing as well. Watson with 94 yards in that game, nearly hitting that 100-yard mark that we still have not yet hit. They're close. But we're, we're close. And, you know, even somebody like Malik Heath, like Malik Heath, four yeah. targets, four receptions, 46 yards. He played a huge game in a game in which Dontavian Wicks missed because of the concussion. And they're stepping up. They're learning, and they're trying to get better. And I think... One of the things that frustrated me most several games ago was the commentariat saying, well, you know, after we beat the Rams, for example, that seems like a win that was actually a loss because they should be tanking. It's like, no, you do not become a winning team by tanking. You become a winning team by continuing to win. And yeah, you're going to lose some draft position, but players with a winning attitude are the ones that are going to be successful in the future. And they built on that Rams game. They took the Steelers loss in stride. They're learning every single week. They're getting better every single week. I love watching this team. And that's the bravado you're talking about. I mean, that's sort of that that extra little juice or that that extra little X factor, or whatever you call it. And in listening to Jordan Love after the game, and he didn't get his turkey leg. I mean, do do we even talk about <laughs> Turkey Gate here? No. Your ducking gate, you know, whatever. <laughs> the fact that he got hosed, that he and Rashawn Gary should have had a big fucking turkey leg, right? And they they didn't. They Fox totally hosed them. Yeah. That being aside, that listening to Jordan Love talk after the game, and I know that this is maybe not a fair comparison, but then listening to Justin Fields talk after last night's game, I'm like, these two people are complete. I'm like two completely different planets. How they were able to answer the question, how they conducted themselves, and I'm glad Jordan loves on our team and and seeing you know kind of comparing and contrasting these two um, after game interviews. It was like, yep, okay, that seems like a guy who's got his shit together and that is looking forward to being much greater. Talking about after the game, and you mentioned it earlier, Jeff, with Rashawn Gary. This is a guy whose heart. And emotions and everything are certainly into the game. Three sacks brings him up to eight and a half on the season. He's on pace for 13. If he can bump that to 13 and a half or higher for the season, he's going to get his name in the media guide for, you know, most sacks in a season for a player. He has become the first round draft pick dominating player that we have expected him to become. And and he's solidifying that defense. and, And it is a team that the way they reacted to him as well in the locker room afterwards, you can tell that they rally around him and he is the heartbeat of that defense. Right. And that's sort of what's now emerging as the year has gone on. Right. We weren't sure who the leaders were, if there were any at all, suddenly, you know, Gary has emotional and the comment, I'm getting tired of crying around all you motherfuckers. I mean, that, that was awesome. Right. I mean, so he, he just clearly emotional, but also you're right. Showing the younger players, 
and like, cause he, I mean, he's not a young player anymore, although he's, he's still young. Right. I mean, yeah. he's what fourth, fifth year. So great. You know how he's grown and the, what he's showing on the field. And so these other defensive players and perhaps offensive players are like, Oh, okay. This is, you know, we can get to this level if we play, you know, and support each other. Right. And, just continuing on that, the Lions had 464 yards total in the game to only 377 of the Packers. If you only look at the numbers, especially those second half numbers, you'd say, well, the Packers defense was crushed. But those golf numbers in the second half, I mean, a lot of them seemed to be entirely meaningless. I think the most important number for the Packers is that they had 12 quarterback hits on Jared Goff. Obviously, the three force fumbles, 29 pressures on Jared Goff. We were making ourselves known on the defense. That was a flip because uh, Hutchinson himself, you know, kind of parked in the Packers' backfield on that game earlier at Lambeau. He was the disruptor in that game while Mm -hmm. Gary was – and he was totally, you know, again, going back to the offensive line again, they're they're keeping love upright. You know, they may not be perfect, but they are certainly hanging in there and they are not allowing – the defend, you know, defensive ends and things like that to really dictate what the Packer offense is going to be able to or not be able to do. And ultimately, it is the one statistic that matters. They score the 29 points. They outscored their opponents two games in a row, and they are riding a two-game winning streak now with a five and six record. Jeff, I do have to ask, you mentioned something about a waxing gibbous moon. Playing indoors in the middle of the day, how does that even affect anything? The waxing gibbous moon for the win. <laughs> So the Lions are now 0-13 on Thanksgiving since the AFL-NFL merger when the moon is in a waxing gibbous face. <laughs> Who knew, right? But if I would have known somebody this, knew, you know, go to Vegas, <laughs> right? I mean... <laughs> and just to a final note as far as our defense is concerned, we accomplished all that without Jair, without Devondre Campbell, without Rudy Ford, without Darnell Savage, without Eric Stokes. And and with Jonathan Owen playing 84 snaps of defense and 13 on special teams, Jonathan Owen with 97 total snaps in that game. Wow. (laughs) He worked hard. Simone Biles' husband certainly had a great game. So this was the second game in a row. He was the leading tackler as well. So he's, you know, given the chance to play now. Wow. That's impressive. With all that said, a two-game winning streak, it's time to bring this Packer team back home in prime time. Sunday night, Lambeau Field, Kansas City Chiefs coming to town. It's a 7.15 kickoff. That means, Neil, the parking lot opens at 3.15 p.m. for tailgating. And both Simone Biles and Taylor Swift have been given an open invitation to attend the Lot 1 tailgate party. Now, the the players' wives and girlfriends actually kind of hang out with us. So, Simone, I, I hope, eventually comes by one of these days. But Wait, pulling Taylor Swift in, Neil, would really make your trip to Green Bay extra special, would it not? Yeah, I don't have a lot of faith that we're going to get Taylor Swift to the Lot 1 tailgate, <laughs> although I am hoping that she does uh, draw some some more fans to the game. I, it, it's very clear that NBC kept us on the Sunday Night Football because it's clear that Taylor Swift is going to be at this game. It's a primetime game. Most importantly, it is one week after her last show in her South American mini tour, and she ended in Brazil last week. And so Taylor Swift will be at Lambeau Field. I I feel 100% certain of that. 
Simone Biles has already said she will also be at the game. And John, I don't think we're going to get her either of those to the tailgate. <laughs> no. but, but I don't know what kind of security detail they have, but I'm sure it will be way too much for us to to get them to come out and hang out in the parking lot at any point in time. But, you know, hope springs eternal, Neil. We can we can throw the invitation out there and we can hope that they they bring a crowd with them. I'm looking forward to the Kansas City Chiefs fan. The Kansas City Chiefs obviously know how to tailgate. They've got very passionate fans. I'm hoping that there will be a good contingent of Chiefs fans who will be at Lambeau. I, you know, not something that's dominant or anything like that, but I hope there's enough to make it fun. And, and as we've said before, hanging out with opposing fans is part of the fun of going to Packers games. I am flying back on Saturday to Green Bay in order to go to the game. I will engage in the festivities and it should be a good weekend. The Chiefs are six and a half point favorites. No respect. No respect. I mean, come <laughs> on. Packers are at home. They're in a they, they, they are the defending Super Bowl champions, Jeff, yeah. to be fair. And they've got the best quarterback in the NFL. I mean, not on my fantasy team. He's not. <laughs> Jeff, nobody cares, nobody about, cares your about your fantasy team. team. Nobody cares. NBC kept this the Sunday night game. This sort of worked out well because you've got December. In Lambeau Field, the Packers are on a two-game winning streak, and they're kind of frisky. I mean, all these all these playoff scenarios now that are coming out with a seemingly easy or certainly not a ton of teams that that pose, uh, you know, that the Packers will probably be favored for most of the games going forward after this one. So kind of an intriguing matchup. You know, it's been a couple years. Jordan Love played pretty darn well. Uh, considering all things considered back, you know, stepping in two years ago when uh, Rogers had COVID and he played pretty well. In that I remember that being, loss. I remember that being a fairly dreadful game. Actually. I don't remember that being something that encouraged me as far as Jordan loves development. I mean, it was a, what it was a 13, nine game or something horrible like that. Neither offense was able to able to do anything, but, right. so, but in the end, I don't care because that's not who Jordan love is now. Correct. That's the growth that he has shown. I think this is a very intriguing game. Really, really hoping, you know, like you said, the fans show up. I know, Neil, you're going to have a blast. I'm sure there will be a ton of Kansas City fans there that you'll get a chance to talk to. Lot one is going to be rocking. Love to be there. I'll be with you guys in spirit, certainly. Another primetime game. So after sort of a mini buy for Green Bay and a lot of these players that have been injured, hopefully coming back again, the sense of urgency. And if they can keep this going, I mean, can you imagine if they come out and they, they beat the defending Super Bowl champs Sunday night, Kansas city is eight and three on the season. And other than the bears game, I don't feel like they've really blown anybody out. When we look at the recent games, we talked about green Bay's last four game stretch, but for Kansas city in their last four games, they've got a loss at Denver and a loss against the Eagles. And then Jeff, you noted, they didn't start out well against the Raiders this week. And if yeah. they don't start out well and Green Bay does start out well like they did last week, it could make for an interesting matchup. Yeah. And looking at the overall statistics, like Kansas City has, you know, they are eight and three, but they're not dominating teams. So their offense is actually only eighth in yards per game in the NFL this year. They're passing offense. They're led by Patrick Mahomes. He's clearly the best quarterback in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes is actually why. I made the plans to fly back to Green Bay for this game, not Taylor Swift. I apologize. Don't <laughs> tell Taylor, but, but it was Patrick Mahomes. I'd like to, I'd like to see him play. I like watching great players. The 
Chiefs offense is only seventh in passing yards per game. Their points, they're only 11th in points per game as far as their offense is concerned. And their run game, I think, is our opportunity, right? What's our biggest weakness? It's the run defense. Their run offense is only 17th in yards per game. And I think we've got to hope that Andy Reid is going to once again forget about running the ball. Not that I really want Patrick Mahomes to be going pass happy, but I'd rather uh, not be shredded by their running game and the running game is not actually great. I mean, it's, it's very league average. Now, one of the things that's surprising about Kansas city this year is their strength on the defense. Their defense is fourth overall in yards per game, fourth in yards per game against the pass 19th in yards per game against the run. So maybe there's our opportunity on our offenses to go against their run defense third and points allowed per game so they have a very stout team but they've at least got i wouldn't say weaknesses but they've got opportunities that are going to give our team a chance but also our statistics are very middling on both offense and defense but our statistics are based on the entire year and our team is better than it was at the beginning of the year our team is better than it was in the middle of the year and with dontavian wicks coming back on offense and most importantly on defense jair practice devondre campbell practice rudy ford practiced all of those players are going to make a difference as far as defense and maybe even a chance of Darnell Savage and of Eric Stokes coming back. Both of them activated off of the injured reserve this week. We're going to have a very different defense those last six games of the year than we did at the beginning of the year. Our offense is developing all of those young players that we've had. They're getting more and more game experience. We've got more opportunities. We are not a team that is going to be predicted by our past and that's what gives me hope. I think that our defense can be a top defense with all of our players in position. Our offense certainly can be a top 10-ish offense with all of these young players playing the way they are right now. I think that we've got a reasonable chance, especially at home in Lambeau. One other element as far as comparing Patrick Mahomes and Jordan Love. Patrick Mahomes has 2,917 yards. 21 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Jordan Love is not that far behind. 2,599 yards. It's only 300 yards behind. 19 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Those statistics for those two quarterbacks are not wildly different. I'd say the biggest thing that we have to worry about and the biggest thing that we need to look at as far as our defense is concerned, Patrick Mahomes has only been sacked 14 times all year. That is by far the fewest sacks among starting quarterbacks in the NFL. We need our edge rushers. We need our central defensive line to make some plays in order to, and Patrick Mahomes is notoriously good at getting the ball out quickly and therefore avoiding sacks. He's also really good at running the football when he gets some pressure. We've got to hope that our defenders do better against Patrick Mahomes than they did against Justin Herbert because Justin Herbert really did shred us with running the football. Patrick Mahomes could do the same thing. If our edge rushers are able to provide some pressure, if they're able to provide containment such that Mahomes is not able to run like crazy, I think we've got a decent chance. There's a lot of ifs that you threw out there, Neil, and I think that uh, all three of us did in our preseason prediction peg this as a loss. Uh, It's one of those things where this season, I just felt like the Lambeau mystique is not going to be there this year, and there's no amount of weather that's going to happen on Sunday that I think is going to keep Kansas City from winning this ballgame. Will will the Packers play well? Yes. Will it be a good springboard for the last five games of the season? Yes. Will it be uh, tough coming out of it as a five and seven team, wondering how the, you know, the last five games is going to play out? Yes. But 
I just don't see a way to come over the hump. I think that Kansas City, while they haven't blown teams out, they are steady, they're methodical, they put a game together, and and I think that Andy Reid is just going to pick apart the defense and, and put a game together on Sunday night. John, that all sounds nice. I'm just going to remind you, we have a 10-person conference pool. Jeff and I have the best record in that conference pool, and you have the worst record in that conference but pool. But we so. all picked this game as a loss. I was not sure where the Packers offense and defense were going to be at this point in the year. I am not going to say that I am confident that the Packers are going to win, but I'd say the Packers have a 30 to 40% chance of winning. I think that we have a good likelihood of making this a very competitive game and a reasonable chance of winning this game. We are a team that is on the rise. We are a team that is showing strength on offense and on defense. If we show those strengths without emphasizing our weaknesses, we've got a chance of winning this game. I completely agree with Neil. I'm optimistic. I, I, you know, am I expecting a win? No. If they won, would I be completely shocked? No. I think that it's going to be competitive. Again, a national stage, right? So two weeks in a row and uh, they really showed out in Detroit. And again, if they've got that edge, if they've got a little confidence, if they've got a little swagger, you know, Kansas City, I don't think it's going to give them any bulletin board material like uh, Detroit did. So maybe that helped them a little bit as well. But uh, no, I, I'm looking forward to two good quality teams playing the Sunday night game and, and, and being praised or, or being, you know, picked apart accordingly based on what happens. I mean, there, it's going to be the glow of the national spotlight and all the warts are going to be showing or all the specialness is going to be showing. And I'm, I'm hoping the asshats don't factor in here. There's room for improvement here, at least on the kicking side. We'll see. Again, if, if we're competitive against the defending Super Bowl champions, that will be a key for growth. And do you want our statistic that should be the most positive? Kansas City is 23rd in the NFL in turnover ratio at negative five on the year. We're actually even at zero right at 16th on the year. So there is there's this defense that is not forcing a lot of turnovers. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is not creating a lot of turnovers either, but we've got our opportunities and don't make mistakes, force them to make mistakes. Hopefully at least one, you're not expecting Patrick Mahomes to make many, but take your opportunity, take your chances. And I feel good about this team. Yeah, and hopefully we can get a little Lambo mystique in this one, you know, come on, John. Little, yeah, we we had it to both Los Angeles teams, John. Your your Lambo Mystique right. uh, argument has kind of failed this year. So I, I, I think that maybe we've got a chance. I, again, I don't think the – if I were to force to bet straight up, I would bet on Kansas City because I bet based on money, not based on emotion. <laughs> but I feel that we've got a chance. Well, and here's the other thing. The fans are going to bring it, right? It's a Sunday night game. So tailgating is going to start. And I think it's going to be super loud. I mean, certainly the fans are going to be energized. And I think that, you know, that that could be a, an X factor here as well. They're going to be loud. And, uh, John, hopefully you'll you'll make it in the game as well. I might I might go in, right? It, it, well, there's no doubt. There's always something electric about the night game, the primetime game, whether it's Monday night, Sunday night, Thursday night, doesn't matter. There There's a different feel under the lights at night than, than the noon game under the sun. And the all-too-early weather forecast now, Neil, it's going to be a high of 38 on Sunday. But remember, this game is after sunset. 
Temperatures will be dropping. It'll be around 32 degrees roughly during the game. Any precipitation right now during the day should move off to the east before kickoff. So it could be a cool, calm night. We'll wait and see what the rest of the for how that forecast changes between now and then. With that, uh, any final thoughts coming up on this Chiefs game or on this rest of this season? One of the stats that's been bantered about on social media is comparisons of Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers in their first 11 games in their first full season as starting quarterback. Amazingly, both of them at 2,599 yards through 11 starts in their first season as a starting quarterback. Aaron Rodgers, 17 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Jordan Love, 19 touchdowns, two more, 10 interceptions, both of them five and six. I think there's a fundamental difference between these two as far as where they're going in the rest of the year. I do not think the Packers are going to finish one and four in their last five games or more realistically, uh, since they have six games, I don't think that they're going to finish one and five or two and four. I think that we've got a very good end of the season coming up for Jordan Love. I think it's because of the improvements in connections between Jordan Love and his receivers. I think the young offensive team is making a difference. I think our offensive line is improving and you can see that Matt LaFleur is trying to work on his line to make it as good as possible in that game against Detroit. Nyman and Walker basically split snaps at left tackle. Sean Ryan played 23% of the snaps on offense. We're trying to get better. We're trying to improve. We're looking at where we can do and make ourselves better. This is a team that is on the rise. I look forward to it continuing on the rise, whether it wins this week or not. We are currently by the New York Times at 50% of making the playoffs. I think the reality is that we're, if we take care of business, we will make the playoffs this year. Possibility in the very clear track toward the playoffs. We do what we need to do. We want to see progress against the Chiefs this week and then build on that in those last final games of the season. And I am looking really forward to the end of this year. Uh, everything that you said, Neil, like I said, I'm hoping this week for a little Lambo mystique to make things even more interesting. National stage, if they can really just play a super competitive game to make people go, oh, shit. Well, this is, not, you know, this is a rookie starting quarterback, essentially. Look what they're able to do. And, and I think that will go a long way, not only for the Packers, to close out the season, but also the mindset of other teams to go, oh, this is not some team that's just mailing it in that's looking for draft choices, that they're seriously competing for not only a playoff spot, but for respect, you know, and as they said, we said it before, lots of team or the team is on the rise and just keep making progress forward. Keep it exciting. Because as a fan, it sure as hell a lot more interesting and fun to watch a competitive, fun team, even if they don't win every single game, to see that progress every single week. And, you know, he's doing things that one touchdown, the first touchdown pass, Love is doing these, holy shit, did you see that kind of pass? And and that's the kind of, you know, it's not Farvian necessarily, but just, He's, he's showing them this maturity and this willingness, but this calmness and professionalism to hopefully bring his championship, not obviously this year, now, let's not get ahead of ourselves here, but to continue to make this progress to be good and to be exciting and, and to take over the NFC North once again. With six games left on the schedule, it's a good kickoff, three at home, three on the road. It's a Sunday night matchup. 
at Lambeau Field in prime time. Neil, we'll see you in Green Bay this weekend. For the rest of you, if you're watching us on YouTube, please hit subscribe, leave a comment, find the GBC podcast at Green Bay Chat. That's all one word on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, and Spotify. And we're on Facebook at the GBC podcast, Green Bay Chat. And may you fully appreciate the magnitude of your impending good fortune. Thanks for joining us. Good night. Good night.